Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today we're talking about Season 8, Episode 19, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Mary, what happened this week? Thank God a patient got Kelly to explain exactly what her job is so we know berating patients and telling the media their stories is 100% extracurricular. This week is Andrew Turner, who has back back pain from being beaten in prison at 17 for murdering his mom's abusive boyfriend and can't get a job due to his criminal record. Brandon publishes an article about his story in the Beverly Beat, helping Andrew get a job and helping him understand that being labeled a murderer is totally just like being a cheater, and he's really learned his lesson now. Kelly writes to her dad in prison. Also, Steve accidentally agrees to a double date with a couple of cute girls, but doesn't realize his date is Brandon. Okay. So, how do we feel about Andrew? I feel like that's a very loaded question. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. But, I, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a little messy and maybe I do have to go beat by beat because when he first shows up and it's just he and Kelly right at closing time and he's asking her what she does, mm-hmm. I was kind of on edge. I was like, oh, you same. know, we've established this is a bad neighborhood. Bad things have happened here. There's been like, you know, abuse going on before as well. And then Brandon walks in, which is great. I literally read, wrote, oh, and then Brandon walks in. Yeah. And starts, like, giving her grief for not wanting to spend time with her. And then the guy, who we find out is Andrew, stands up to Brandon. And I was so nervous that, like, a fight was going to happen. Yeah. It felt very, like, we were transported into a Lifetime movie. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, Because of, like, the music set us on edge, the darkness of the lighting – made us on edge and then yeah Andrew just gives off a vibe and Mm -hmm. good on him because he's supposed to right like he was supposed Mm -hmm. to make us feel unsettled because then like the payoff at the end of this scene wouldn't be a payoff um but yeah (laughs) there's there's so much in this first scene that First of all, I thought Andrew was very familiar. He is not. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen him in many things, but he's just got that familiar face. Agreed. When Brandon walks in, he has... Okay, I don't know if it was the writers or Jason's line reading or just the fact that these episodes aired week to week. So the expectation of the audience is a little different. Literally every single time Kelly says, don't call me, don't come near me, the next day, Brandon is there, either calling or showing up in person. She literally left, like, the last scene, (laughs) last episode, was, I want you to leave me alone. And here's Brandon not taking no for an answer. And I'm like, bro, I know we're trying to drive home, especially, like, at the end of this episode. We're trying to drive home that Brandon hasn't learned his lesson and doesn't know how to react and doesn't know what to do. But it was that was more frustrating to me than dark Mr. Turner over here. <laughs> oh, my God. That's perfect. But I, 
I completely agree with you. Like I was writing in my notes, like Brandon showing up like this, like immediately walking through the door and being a little aggressive and then like Mm -hmm. taking it out on Andrew who's just trying to step in, which frankly we've talked about of like if something's going on in this front room of the clinic, someone should be like, why are we behaving like this? Like y'all should not talk to each other like that. And he finally does it. And then Brandon looks like the villain, which to be fair – Like you said, Kelly keeps saying, like, do not call me. Do not text me. Just leave me alone. Give me some time. And then he shows up and he's like, it's been a week. Was that time? Yeah. Like, I don't know. And so there was all that, the aggression of Brandon towards Andrew when Andrew's like, clearly there's a charged vibe here. So he's just picking on or picking up on what is happening between this dynamic Mm-hmm. And then to add insult to injury, I think it was some of the writing that got me. Because then when, like, Dr. Intern comes out and Brandon does leave, we find out his name's Andrew Turner that we've already said. Then the line that is read from Dr. Intern is, why don't you go in and take off your shirt? I'll be right in. And, like, I we all know it's fine. We all know it's okay. But just given everything we know about this clinic and the doctors in this clinic, I was like, no, (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Well, and it's very, again, maybe it's the writing, maybe it's the way that the line is read. But, you know, Kelly is like, oh, you know him. He seems sweet. And then Dr. Intern is just like, yeah, you'd never think he's a murderer. Right? He, he, <laughs> Brick literally killed a guy. Like, <laughs> it was those <laughs> kinds of vibes. <laughs> like, yeah, he got beat up in prison, which is why he's still, so it, it was so poorly said as well because, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Intern's like, this guy got beat in prison. He's 17. Like, all I heard was 17. And I was like, no way that guy is 17. Like, we have gone too far. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, he's been on pain management since he was 17 when he originally got sent to prison. Oh, yeah, for murdering somebody. And Just like, this scene. Yeah, because like, I feel like that should have been the like, yeah, it's, you know, wild to think he was a murderer and then go into the credits. But no, the show is like, we're going to give you a mic drop, but then we're just going to change our minds. Yeah, exactly. I was so waiting for the credits, but then I was like, oh, I guess that hasn't been long enough, you know, like timestamp wise. Mm-hmm. And But it would have been the perfect mic drop credits open. Like, I, I guess, though, like now in hindsight, what the credits were to us, that pop melody <laughs> <laughs> I would, that I don't understand why that was there. And all of a sudden it was almost like a pop melody love ballad. <laughs> I, Maybe it's a good thing it didn't go right into it. <laughs> I just always love when they have these moments of like, yeah, you'd never think he was a murderer. Da-na-na-na, da-na-na-na. <laughs> yeah. just... Oh my gosh. But okay, in this story, like that's the night before Kelly is closing up. The next morning, we have to see the whole Steve thing, which I feel mm-hmm. like can be summed up so quickly. Um, yeah. Because he sucks. First thing he does, he walks into the peach pit and he's like, hey, I'm double parked. Give me some coffee stat. And apparently he does this frequently enough that the woman sitting at the counter is just like, you did that to my girlfriend last week and made her late for work. And Steve's like, oh, I wronged you. I must flirt with you. You must like me. Like he like it's so classic. 
you know, push a girl down on a playground means you like her, which is mm-hmm. so dumb. And like, he, this just again, I don't, I don't know what they're trying to do with Steve. I really don't, because he deserves, either. he deserves more legit storylines. And I know we just went through the whole Carly thing, but even with Carly, like he was mean to her. And then she mm-hmm. ended up liking him. So I guess he's like, well, you know, I worked one time. I'll do it again. And doesn't notice that she says girlfriend. And I'm pretty sure, like, I know girls refer to their friends that are girls as girlfriends. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's why Steve was like, oh, that doesn't mean anything romantic. But I immediately was like, she means romantic. <laughs> like, immediately. Yeah. Well, and then... He says partner, and she's like, oh, you live together and work together. And so it's like, okay, if you didn't pick up on the subtlety, like, we're just going to nail you over the head with it. Yeah, because especially when, like like you said, when he calls Brandon his partner, she perks up. She's like, Mm -hmm. ooh, common ground. So then I'm like, yeah, Steve, like, are you not picking this up? And then she literally says boyfriend. Like, he asked her to take her to lunch. And she even says, like, yeah, I'll bring my girlfriend. You bring your boyfriend. And he's like, huh? (laughs) He's what Pod Meets World calls ensorcelled by this woman. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, truly, he's not listening at all. He's like, oh, uh, you want to buy me a coffee? Even though I'm double parked and you've already said you don't like that? I'm in. Let's do it. Like, he's not listening to her. He heard yes and then shut down. Yeah, literally, and sorcelled. <laughs> I mean, what else is new? I mean, I just, I can't that this is going. And then he, like, brings up Carly later, but. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. Like, we go back to the Beverly Beat where Brandon's already at work and Kelly comes to see him because she wants him to do a story on Andy, which mm-hmm. I kind of love this idea that, like, even though they're having such a rocky time with this breakup and, like, Kelly doesn't know that she can trust him and he's being too much, when she knows that this is the right thing to do, that, like, mm-hmm. we should give this guy a chance or maybe make it, you know, aware of what happened to him so it doesn't happen to somebody else. She knows that yeah. Brandon can do it. She knows that he can write the story, that he can put it in his newspaper. And frankly, this is much more hard-hitting journalism than what we've seen come out of the Beverly Beat recently. Yeah, 100%. And that shows kind of the maturity that you would expect from mm-hmm. a couple that's been together on and off for years. I mean, we've sort of seen it with David and Donna, too, a little bit. Like, not always, but like you know, Donna ends up doing the right thing by saying, like, David can move in for a little while or, you know, because he didn't have a place to stay. Like, it's things like that where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of history. Yeah, there's a lot of drama at the moment, but there's still a lot of love there. And there's still a lot of Mm -hmm. genuine, like, we all want to do the right thing. We're just not doing the right thing to each other and for each other right now. So let me at least, you know, do this right thing for this other person that has nothing to do with our relationship. And so I agree. I totally appreciate it, especially when it's, we learn it was like a 20 year sentence. He's out now. He's been there since he was 17, tried as an adult, as an adult. And now no one's willing to give him a job because he's an ex con um, or an ex felon. And so 
The only thing that I did not like, which becomes a theme of the entire rest of the episode, which we just have to deal with, is that Brandon somehow turns this around to be about him, where he's like, oh, so this guy's looking for a second chance. Mm -hmm. And Kelly's like, yeah. And he's like all these undertones of Kelly's being really mature here. And Brandon's like, I'm going to be really immature. And it would have been immature for her to respond to this this way, but I really wish if he was going to be making these parallels, she'd be like, and it took him 20 years to be fully rehabilitated. Yeah. Like, I mean, the mature response to this is, Brandon, you're an idiot. There is nothing in common (laughs) between what you did and what he did. But if we wanted to be sassy about it, you could be like, no, it's been 20 years. He's fully rehabilitated. Right. How long has it been for you, Brandon? Exactly. I mean, I can only imagine what the storyline, like how it would have been different had Andrew not have done it, but he was wrongfully convicted, you know, like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to draw this parallel. So it's almost like they had to make sure that Andrew did it, which is so crazy to me. But they still had to make it that like, yes, he did it, but it was in defense. Like his mom's boyfriend was beating her. And he came home on his birthday to see this and decided he had had enough and shot this guy Mm -hmm. and then, like, pretty immediately showed remorse, which, you know, I don't listen to nearly as much true crime as I used to, but, like, that's a thing that a lot of them would say is, like, as soon as you've done it, you realize what you did. Yeah, totally. It's like, well, and that's how you can tell the difference between somebody who is truly remorseful and those that Mm -hmm. have something else wrong with them, right? Um, Yeah. And yeah, I think that's that's an interesting point too, I guess. that's To me, that's the parallel, is that you do a bad thing and immediately feel remorse, not mm-hmm. you murdered a guy so that, so this sentence is the same thing as like cheating on your girlfriend. Like that, like those parallels, no. But the doing a bad thing and feeling remorse, that's a better connection. And I just think it was like a little bit lost in translation and could have mm-hmm. been done just slightly, like punch up just a little bit, just a little bit. Just a little bit, like- You were so close. You came up with an idea that could potentially have been really good and Mm -hmm. then the room broke and somebody came back with this and we were just like, okay, I guess we don't have time to change it. Yeah. And that's fine. Like we get it. Stuff happens, but it just missed slightly. Yeah. I will tell you kind of what I do like is the scene where Kelly goes to talk to intern Jeff And basically says, like, hey, I just want to let you know, I went to Brandon and I told him about Andy, Andrew. I don't know. I wrote Andy in my notes the whole time, but I'm pretty sure they called him Andrew. They called him Andy early because I wrote it down, too. And then it was Andrew the rest of the time. Okay. Well, I'll probably switch between the two because I can't keep it straight. But I kind of like this idea that I think it was last episode, Kelly decided that she wasn't going to let Brandon get in the way of having a relationship with Jeff. And now Mm -hmm. she's going to tell him like up front, hey, I just talked to my ex, but I think it's for a good reason. Oh, also, let me tell you that like this is weird for me because my dad's in jail. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of the whole out of negativity comes positivity because Mm -hmm. she's almost saying like, all right, my boyfriend was dishonest to me so I'm not going to be dishonest to my new potential boyfriend and Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that because I do think I mean Jeff has been actually pretty chill about this whole thing right he's been like we'll go at whatever pace you want like 
you know, if I'm overstepping, like, let me know, like that sort of thing. And she's told him like, no, we're good. We're, we're on the same page. And, and so she's like, back that up by doing these things, by letting him in, by being honest and all that kind of stuff. And so she even admits she's not good at forgiveness, which I think is pretty big of her too. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this actually went really well. Like, we're talking about maturity and growth after doing things. Like, Kelly's got it in this moment. Yep. But on the other hand, we see Brandon go to the hotel, apartment, complex, whatever it is, to go see Andrew. And he's like, oh, I wanted to ask you about this murder. And this is where Andrew tells us all the backstory. But then – Brandon makes a comment about having remorse for actions and Andrew's like, well, you, you know, keep this like line of sight to the door. You have a direct line of exit. Like you don't trust me. It's very clear that you don't feel comfortable here. Yeah. And to be honest, Andrew doesn't owe Brandon anything. No. And I think that's one of the cornerstone things about Brandon that is sometimes hard for me to grapple with is that he believes he is owed things that he is not mm-hmm. or that he deserves things that he doesn't because yeah it's like Kelly's the one that came to him and told him about Andrew to go do more digging look through it help him get a job and now Brandon willingly goes into Andrew's place of residence for the time being is a bit aggressive, not like aggressive, aggressive, but just like stern, Mm -hmm. definitely not welcoming and definitely not like empathetic, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then when he literally tells this man who has been in prison for 20 years that he doesn't feel remorse and like, and like judges him right on the spot. Andrew's just like, what do you like? No, this is not going to happen. I'm going to call you out right here. You don't, you're not doing what you think you're doing and I don't owe you anything. So you can go like basically, you know, and, but he doesn't just leave it at that. Like he doesn't, he doesn't fight fire with fire with Brandon. He ends up saying like, look, I literally have nothing else. Like you see where I'm at right now. You see where I've been. Of course I wouldn't do it again. Why would I do this over again if I had the chance? So he even grants Brandon an explanation, even though he doesn't need to. And again, that just shows like, I think that shows the difference between maybe somebody who has a lot of life experience and has a lot of like ups and downs in their lives and somebody who hasn't really had to like go through a lot of negative stuff. You know, somebody who might see that, see other people doing it, but doesn't actually happen to them. Mm-hmm. I actually really love that idea that like, yeah, Brandon as a young adult, like, okay, he still has like golden boy Brandon where he falls into amazing things. Like they basically were just given a newspaper. He was just given a job and all of these things. But Growing up and being in his early 20s and being essentially on his own, he's the only one in his family left in Beverly Hills, LA, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I like this idea that he's got to run into people who have a lot more life experience than him and, like, basically just shoot him down. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do this to embarrass you. I'm going to do this because you need to hear it. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And, like, again, it's not Brandon's fault. 
And I'm no. not blaming him. Like everybody has their own experience, but I do think there's a lot of opportunity with Brandon if he can just kind of put his ego aside and allow himself to be open to other people's experiences. And mm-hmm. I mean, we all love Brandon. We've loved Brandon since like season four or five now. And so this is not, you know, I'm not trying to like hate on Brandon at all. I just think he's got stuff to learn just like we all do. And if he can mm-hmm. learn this, if he has the capacity to learn these things, man, what a dude. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm thinking, you know, we started to like Brandon a lot more when he went to college and like grew up a little bit. And now he's like 22. And you say that I'm thinking like, I was probably insufferable at 22. I was probably like, I got it figured out. I got a job. I wake up every morning and like, I have my Friday happy hour. Like, I know (laughs) things so good. And then someone's just like, no, you're so stupid. No, a hundred percent. It's so funny, like the cognitive dissonance that we have with them because we know they're not actually 22. Like Jason Priestley is not 22 here. So it's like sometimes I get caught up because I expect Brandon to be Jason Priestley in terms of like age and maturity and, and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I catch, I get caught up in it. I do. Okay. So now imagine Brandon has had this conversation in the morning with Kelly then he calls this guy, presumably goes to see him in the morning before lunch, and then his lunch is the double date with Steve and the two women whose names are, because I wrote them down, Madeline, Madeline. and Libby. Yeah, Madeline and Libby. Mm-hmm. Yep. I kept, they would say one name and the other would immediately leave my head. So it was like, I have to write them down. I have to have them directly in front of me. Me too. Because they it just took till the. It literally took to the end of the episode for me to remember Libby, like, and I felt so bad. I was like, no, 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 Caitlin, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> the whole time I was like, we are women. We're better than this. We will learn <laughs> each other's names. But then at the same time, I was like, they're set dressing and they didn't need to be here. And like, it's almost embarrassing to have to acknowledge that. I know. I know. It is. And like, they're so nice. Like, they're so chill. They're, they're so, so sweet. Cool. I'm like, um, Madeline was giving me and for, and like, it's a very off tangent. So like, forgive (laughs) me, but she was giving the architect of Pat in smart house vibes. The woman with the blonde. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting some nods. I'm getting some nods. I got you. She was, she was giving that mixed with like Alicia Silverstone. So I, yeah. I really wish we had the name of Pat's architect in Smart I know. House. Well, I recently saw that actress in – well, not recently because I guess it was several years ago, but my mom's trying to get me to watch this show called Heartland, which is like mm-hmm. 16 seasons. But she was in that, and I was like, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they're so cool, and like they're just so chill about this whole lunch thing. And then things the get a little awkward – and, like, Steve's like, can I talk to you on the side? Because Brandon's, like, clearly not interested. hmm Well, yeah, because they make a comment. They're like, and people say that men can't be faithful because these guys are living together and working together and all these things, which is a weird comment to make. Like, I don't think you want somebody – like, this would be like if Brandon and Steve knew they were lesbians and responded with, like, oh, how soon did you hire the U-Haul? Like, yeah. do you just have it on standby? <laughs> like – Okay, but 
yeah, that, you know, kind of takes something in their heads because A, Steve has cheated a ton of times, but Brandon literally just got dumped for cheating. Right. Right. And it, you know, blows up. Brandon realizes he doesn't want to be there in the first place. And when Steve goes back to the table alone, they're just like, look, come over to our apartment. We'll cook you guys dinner. We have a private hot tub you can use, <laughs> which is the weirdest. If like anybody I had just met was like, do you want to come to my house and get in my hot tub? I'd be like, <laughs> I don't want to be murdered today. Yeah. Like, it's so off-putting. And I was like, whoa, this – I mean, but you have to think that, like, they probably don't have a lot of gay boyfriends. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, this is our opportunity. We must sink our claws in, you know? And, like, <laughs> it was at this point where I was so confused on whether Steve knew or not. Because in my mind, I'm like, I know Steve. And if there's anything that's on his bucket list, it's lesbians. You know what I mean? It's attractive lesbians because I remember the house party when they accidentally just invited lesbians and Steve was upset, Mm -hmm. but it was because they were like sports lesbians, not hot lesbians. Right. And like I thought for sure he was like, oh, he wants to change them. Oh, no. I was pretty sure that like once he had the idea that he could get laid and he could get Brandon laid – Mm-hmm. everything else didn't matter. He was just like, yeah. no, I just have to turn the charm on no matter what. Right. And like, yeah, so it just really like threw me for a loop because I could not tell if Steve actually knew or not. And yeah, it, it took me completely out of the storyline too. Well, that's good because it's a stupid storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate it so much. I can't like, I wish we weren't even talking about it. I know, I know. Well, I think we only get one more scene with the four of them, so I think technically we could go ahead and wrap it up if we want to. I think so, because I'm pretty sure it's like the next evening that -hmm. they go over, and I don't remember which is which, unfortunately, but one of the women takes Steve into the kitchen, and one of them takes Brandon on a tour of the apartment where she shows him their one bedroom. And he's like, oh, is this your bedroom or Madeline's bedroom? And she's like, it's our bedroom, (laughs) weirdo, which is when he picks it up. And then Steve comes back with the other woman and they're like, first of all, the women are like very cuddly. They're like Mm -hmm. standing next to each other instead of trying to stand next to the guys. And they're like, oh, do you guys want to use the hot tub first? And Steve just doesn't get it. And then yeah. he finally puts it together. And then they're like, well, we can still have dinner. The food's still here. Which no, is not how I would handle it. Like, No, me neither. They'd be gone. They'd be gone. I'd be like, I'm sorry, what now? And the only thing that I thought was funny was like Brandon and Steve's reactions to each other because they kind of like grip onto each other and like finish each other's sentences. So still kind of playing up that they could also be a couple. And then like – Madeline and Libby didn't realize that they were not together and like they kind of point that out and they look at each other and like oh we do kind of look like a couple and separate (laughs) (laughs) so I was like they're this would not work or this would not be funnier if the two of them didn't have chemistry so I was like Mm -hmm. okay I can I can kind of giggle at like their antics right now but then I'm like okay let's move on (laughs) yeah that was the thing like 
the acting was like fine, but then that like five seconds of gay panic, I was like, okay, well, you kind of ruined it for me, so let's move on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like on Amsterdam Pride Weekend, I have to watch <laughs> of Gay Panic. All times. <laughs> Rude. And and How not dare. like and not like good gay panic. Not the gay panic that's like you are gay and you're panicking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just Steve. Yeah. But um, okay, so then outside of that storyline, getting back to the Andrew stuff, mm-hmm. at the Beverly Beat, Andrew kind of storms in and he's mad because Brandon got in touch with the person Andrew killed's son. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, yeah, that's bad. So, okay, this is the thing because the like – conflict of true crime reporting is that you risk reaching out to people and like really dredging up stuff that they don't want to hear again and you know hurting feelings and causing problems emotional trauma etc etc and like that's my biggest concern here is that it seems like Brandon cold called someone right after this guy's dad's murderer got out of prison so like that's already causing things and then Andrew is like you didn't need to bother him and now I'm wondering What's going on in this article? Like, what did this guy end up saying? Because Andrew seems so upset. So I don't think it's that this guy was like, I think he served his time. I feel like he should be like, uh, that guy murdered my dad. He deserves to rot in prison. Because there's an emotional feeling behind it. Like, I don't know. The fact that they reached out to the victim's son, who Brandon kind of rightfully points out, who was also a victim. But, like, this basically – just makes this article very weird and I don't know what's happening mm-hmm. and I don't know how it turns out okay for everyone. I kind of it, wish I could read Brandon's writing again. Well, yeah, that's an excellent point because a couple things you just said and I'm trying to sort it through in my head, but like <laughs> I said a lot. Yes, and it's all in line with what I'm thinking. And it's it's like Yes, understanding that when stuff like this happens, like you are to reach out to various sources to get the full picture. But in my mind, the way I was thinking about like the premise of the article, what the intent was, and then what it came to be, like to that point, yes, absolutely need to read this article because I'm like, Kelly was asking for help in getting Andrew a second chance. Mm -hmm. So what is the actual point of reaching out to another victim in the sense that, that, you know, he was affected by it because it was his dad. How does that help Andrew's case? It really feels like Brandon was just like, hey, person whose dad got murdered, do you think the guy who murdered your dad should be able to get a job? Right? Yeah. And, like, that could easily go either way. Some people Mm -hmm. are, like, really emotionally – in tune with things and can see that like that is a real person who made a mistake blah 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 I mean the rest of this conversation is about Andrew being like you make a mistake in your life and it comes back to Mm -hmm. haunt you and -hmm. then there's other people who I truly think I fall in this bucket where I'm like unless you've shown me me personally unless I have seen that you show remorse I have a problem here. Like, I can't do the whole, like, oh, you did something stupid for five minutes of your life. Like, yeah. That's well, the and, thing that gives me. I can't do that. 
No, and that's understandable, especially when it's, like, something so, like, I'm not trying to, like, you know, um, rank the level of sin or whatever you want to call it, but, like, but when it comes to murder and it's in cold blood and it's point blank and it was rash, and and I'm not saying, I'm not going to defend or prosecute Andrew for what he did, but if I'm the son of this guy who got killed, like, Especially, we don't know how old he was when it happened. Andrew was 17. We don't know how old this kid was. We don't know if it's his half-brother or step-brother, which to Mm -hmm. me is very different because that also comes in with age. So we don't know his thoughts on it. And I just think given the original thesis of the article, what the article was supposed to be, that conversation was out of place. If this was about remorse, if this was about... Um, if this was about the murder itself, crime, yeah, yeah, then absolutely go get all your sources. But this just felt a little egregious from Brandon and a little negligent to what the point was. So I just, yeah, I didn't understand it. I think that was my thing is I just didn't get it. Yeah, it was like in the very first scene, I thought it was going to be about like prison reform or like making sure that prisoners are taken care of because this kid was 17, tried as an adult, sent to max security where mm-hmm. he was beaten by other inmates. They very specifically say, not the guards. But yeah. then nobody provided him safe medical treatment at the time, yeah. which is why he's in yeah. pain now. Like that's what I assumed the story was going to be like. And then Kelly basically asked to turn it into like an op-ed to redeem this guy. And then Brandon calls – the son of a murdered abuser like yeah it went off the rails and then they immediately try and pivot to the whole like this mistake can define your life and brandon's like oh yeah i can really relate to that right and so i know we're like splitting hairs when it comes to the actual like true crime portion of this episode but like i i think that's why we're doing it is because Mm -hmm. it does feel so disconnected because then yeah like like you just said when we're then trying to relate it back to and pull and 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 like you know, hurriedly get back to the point of, of Brandon's story, not Andrew's, then it just falls flat because he, Andrew literally killed a guy and is trying to make a life from, for himself. Brandon cheated on his girlfriend. Yeah. And now don't get me wrong. The three of us on this podcast take infidelity extremely serious, but there is a clear difference between infidelity and murder and i don't Mm -hmm. like that they tried to equate the two i'm like this is not the same you are not the same this is this is apples and oranges Mm -hmm. and yeah like i i think there's unintentionally a very interesting separate conversation that could be had now of Mm -hmm. the way that true crime was reported on in the 90s and the 80s and going, you know, back before then to how true crime is reported now, knowing how, like, really prevalent it kind of exploded maybe, like, 10 years ago into the podcast mm. world and, like, mm-hmm. people are really relearning compassion in it all. So, like, maybe this was totally normal. Maybe this is, like, just re-traumatizing people is just what we did in 1998. But – Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's – it's just interesting too how there was an opportunity to really 
I don't know. It's totally main character stuff. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. we can't ever get too invested in these guest stars and these guest star storylines because they're all meant to prop the main characters. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I just think that Andrew was far more interesting than what ended up happening. You know, like, I want to see, like, because, okay, the next scene, like, clinic, we're back at the clinic, Andrew's there again, Kelly said that she read the article, and then he says he's grateful to her for reaching out to Brandon and reaching out to Andrew and, like, talking about this kind of stuff, and there's other stuff that goes on, I kind of want to skip through that because it relates to the other storyline, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, the final scene that we see between, like, Andrew and Brandon and all that kind of stuff is Andrew does get a call from an auto body shop that he used to work for mm-hmm. and they have a job for him which is great because like Andrew's like do you guys know how hard it is to like have to tell somebody that you're a felon you know like all that kind of stuff and you know Brandon just says he hopes that he can put the bad stuff behind him or whatever my my point to what I was where I was going with this was saying like I got far too invested in Andrew very quickly. And I don't know if that was because of the content, because of the actor or all of the above, but I want to see him working at the shop. I want to see him building his life back. Why Mm -hmm. do I want to see that? (laughs) That's the thing that always gets me is like, we get these really interesting storylines. And then when it actually gets to the point that Brandon or Kelly or Donna or whoever is actually involved, it has to go back to main character syndrome. It has to go back to the people that are actually on the show. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, wait a minute. Go back. I want to hear about this. I actually don't care that Brandon learned his lesson for the fourth time. I wonder if it's like more the longevity of the show like we've been so used to living in this bubble of brandon kelly donna david val um whoever else is on the show steve um (laughs) (laughs) but we've been spending so much time just living in their world it's like when they start to open the door a little bit and show us a little bit more of the outside world we're like yeah let me out let me out let me see what's out there and maybe that's Maybe that shows or should show showrunners and executives and things like that who are so high up, that should show them like, okay, maybe it's time to end this. Or maybe we do a little spinoff or I don't know. I I don't know. But I guess I'm feeling a little trapped within the confines of the characters that we have. Yeah. No, I actually had this thought to myself randomly at like seven o'clock in the morning the other day I was just sitting (laughs) brushing my teeth and I was just like what would it have been like if 90210 actually did their original plan of keeping David younger than everybody else giving him his own friends and basically like creating new groups of people because then Mm. we kind of get out of that bubble of the same cast over and over again we get exposed to other things but the other side of that is eventually you stop following Brandon and so you don't you can't get this story specifically. So totally. It's it's a trade-off. But I did have this exact thought the other day where I was like, are we just stuck in this bubble with Brandon and we just like we're in an abusive relationship with our TV show? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a valid point because like that that's think about it. That's why a lot of shows don't survive after high school, then college, then adult years. Or mm-hmm. we see a time jump. You know, there's a reason for that so that you can open up the door. I mean, I'm thinking like also Friday Night Lights, like Mm -hmm. at a certain point, 
what they did with Friday Night Lights is they made the show about a place, not necessarily the people. I mean, it ends up being more about Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor than it does, you know, uh, Jason Street and Tim Riggins and like all of them. Mm -hmm. And so like eventually those people leave and you get a new crop of characters. Same thing with One Tree Hill. It stays about the core group, but you get an influx of characters in season five, season six. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe like, yes, we got Val. Thank God. Yes, we get Noah. Yes, we get Colin. Yes, we get, you know, Carly, Susan. But at the end of the day, they come in, they go out. They come in, they go out. The only people who have stayed for long periods of time have been Claire and Val. Mm -hmm. And now Claire's gone. So Yeah, I mean, they wrote Claire out, no problem. Exactly. And we had spent three seasons or so getting so invested so I don't know I think you're right it's like not necessarily like quite abusive (laughs) but it certainly is restricting a little bit like they they forced us to like only care about these like five or six or seven main characters which hamstrings them a little bit to then expand the world Mm -hmm. yeah there's something long tangent (laughs) yeah um I guess we should go Back to the episode before we just start talking 20 minutes of, like, other TV shows. We're just going to start naming every other show we have ever watched. But I know, right? What I like, again, kind of this conversation of a relationship building between Kelly and Jeff, her opening herself up to new people, even if it's Dr. Intern with the curly hair. But, like, saying about everything that happened with Andrew, like, Jeff tells her that she's stronger than she knows, and he asked Kelly, so – in the other story with David and Donna and everybody, like there's this funeral going on the next day. And so, you know, Jeff says he wants to go to the funeral to pay his respects and asks if he can pick Kelly up and take her. And the second that she pauses, he's like, I'll back off. If you're uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. I'm going to back off, especially if Brandon's going to be there. And I love that it gives Kelly that moment to be like, am I uncomfortable? Like, let me sit here and assess my feelings for a second. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to move forward. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like, I think maybe that's why it's so hard to deal with the Brandon stuff, at least with him, like not learning his lesson and things like that, because we're seeing moments of growth and at least moments of like, I don't know what to really call it other than growth, but we're seeing those moments with Kelly and we're not seeing Mm -hmm. it with Brandon and like not saying that one person's better than the other necessarily, but it's like. I would love for this to be an opportunity where Brandon learns this on his own. He doesn't need a convicted felon to tell him Mm -hmm. about second chances and about remorse. Like, why can't he just learn it? Like, Kelly is learning how to stay distrusting but open and honest. Like, Mm -hmm. she distrusts, but she's going to be honest with people. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. There's just – they did a good job with Kelly, and they're not doing so great with Brandon. (laughs) Yeah. And okay, so to be fair, we do get this really interesting conversation between Kelly and Brandon in the next scene that kind of follows this storyline because the funeral happens. We kind of have to go over there, but everybody's at the beach apartment after the funeral waiting for people to show up. It's spoiler alert for five minutes from now when we talk about it. It's Donna's grandmother. And so like Donna and Kelly aren't back yet. The guys are all there and Brandon wants to go call Cindy so he goes into Kelly's room 
And later on, he claims he uses a calling card, but I have used calling cards and you have to dial like 25 numbers before you can dial a phone (laughs) number. So I was like, no, you didn't, Brandon. You just made an international call in the 90s on Kelly's home phone. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so funny to me because, like, I wrote in my notes, Brandon dials like a hundred times. Oh, I was sitting there being like, I mean, this is a lot of numbers, but this is not enough numbers. Like, nobody memorizes a calling card. No. Mm-hmm. Like, Brandon and – yeah, Brandon doesn't call Jim and Cindy enough to just know what numbers to punch in to talk to right? them. Yeah. Exactly. But basically, Kelly overhears him calling her mother – calling his mother and – Brandon tells her after he hangs up, he tells Kelly that he has learned from Andrew that he has to do his time and take responsibility for his actions. And he's like, I can apologize, but I can't make it right. I can't take back what I did. And then Kelly has this moment where she says she wants him back. But she that does. she wouldn't know that it wouldn't happen again. And that's fair. Yeah. But it like – It's a very interesting moment because she keeps saying, give me space, give me space, give me space. And then this moment, it's changed to, I want you back. I just can't prove that it's not going to happen again. And that's not okay with me. Like, yes, I agree. And I think, I think it's a situation where it was like, Brandon was taken from her or Brandon um Kelly lost Brandon. I, I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase it the right way. Like mm-hmm. this was not Kelly's choice. So the feelings for him did like didn't disappear. It wasn't her decision or choice to lose out on this relationship. And so I can totally understand why she'd be like, Of course I want you back. I never stopped loving you because I like you were taken from me. I did not choose for you to do this and and break us. So her feelings just haven't left. But I yeah, so it's like it, it is weird for her to say it. I, I think it's one thing for her to feel it, another for her to like almost give that glimmer of hope to Brandon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I don't want this glimmer of hope to keep coming up just because it seems like The glimmer of hope happens. Brandon won't leave her alone. She gets really upset, tells him to leave her alone, and then the cycle Mm -hmm. starts over again. The second Mm -hmm. he leaves her alone or shows any sort of remorse, she's like, well, I wish I could take you back. Yeah, right. And like, I mean, that's a fair thing to say. It's like, I wish I could take you back, but I can't for my Mm -hmm. own mental health. But that's not necessarily the words that keep coming out. Right, 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 right. Well, and it's it's – Finally, it's a good conversation between them two because he finally mm-hmm. realized, albeit such a weird way to get there, but he finally ends up saying like he couldn't see what she had lost because he was so focused and wrapped up in on what he lost. And yeah, to your point, Kelly says she's not sure it wouldn't happen again. And Brandon's like, I, yeah, like I, I get that now. I get that you can't feel confident about that, but that's a leap that I can't take for you, which he finally realizes like he is not responsible for that, for Kelly's Mm -hmm. feelings on that, but he is responsible for the decisions and the words that he says and makes. Right. So I feel like it was finally the conversation that needed to happen between them for them to now kind of like navigate whatever waters are there are currently. 
Yeah. No, that's – I was going to say that in a much less uh, poetic way of just like now we're at the point <laughs> where I feel like he finally gets it and so they really can heal. So like, you know, I think the number I threw out was like four episodes that I had just arbitrarily decided we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like I think mm-hmm. – you know, there's still some time, there's still some healing and learning that has to happen, but I think at this point I'd be okay if they got together again before the end of this season. Because I just feel like that's coming. Like, you don't yeah. do Brandon and Kelly and not make them OTP. Right. And I think I would love to see them building trust and not jumping in. You know, like have being a little mm-hmm. bit more cautious, kind of going back to the basics. I think that would be really good for them because think about it. They kind of rushed into getting back together because yeah, of they basically, the last infidelity. <laughs> yeah. They basically picked up where they left off and yeah. I don't think you can do that. No. Agreed. I, I think you have to do the like very cute like, hi, I'm Brandon, like reintroduce yeah. yourself thing with the music swelling exactly. and whatnot. Right. Totally. Um, yeah, but I, you know, cut to everybody's gone home and we find out that, you know, despite what Kelly said to Jeff earlier about how she has a hard time accepting what her dad did and forgiving people for how they've wronged her in the past, she is writing him a letter and asks him to write her back. Mm-hmm. And that clearly is setting up a lot for this, like, latter or whatever, last third of the season, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, that voiceover is, like, carrying the back yeah. third. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, do you have anything else to say about the Brandon and Kelly and whatnot before we continue on to basically David and Donna? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights, like coming to visit me in Amsterdam. And really, everything you just mentioned benefits me. I genuinely feel better after using Liquid IV. I'm refreshed, I'm hydrated, and I feel like I can conquer the day just like Brandon Walsh. Or Volleyball Steve. (laughs) I especially love the new flavor, Seaberry, especially during the summer so I can pretend like I'm on a tropical island. Or I'll go with an iconic classic, like the Beverly Beach Club, with a lemon-lime flavor while I'm waiting for the grunions to run. Also, it's pretty neat that Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code 90210. That's 90210. At checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code 90210 at liquidiv.com. Mary. What else happened this week? Sad stuff. Okay. um, Donna gets the news that her grandmother is very unwell and takes Noah along to see her at the hospital. Not a super comfortable situation gets worse when grandma's like, you and David are meant to be, to Donna, not Noah. 
Val schemes to get her pee pad job back so she can let Jasper's Law play tonight so Lola Burns from Q5 Records can sign them to her label so David can have his next big break and hope this one sticks. Also so she can hear that song David totally wrote for her and not Donna. Everything works out exactly the way Val plans, except Donna's grandma's surgery not having the desired outcome, and David going to the funeral against Val's wishes, and kissing Donna and telling Val he'll write her lots of songs, but that one really good one was about Donna and not her. Val gives him a cactus, which is a metaphor for herself. I loved the cactus so much. Oh, it was, it was actually perfect. Like, there's a lot of cheesy things that happen on the show, and that was one of them. But I also loved it. <laughs> it was so cute. And she just didn't say anything about it. She just gave him the cactus. And he was just like, oh. She's like, it's prickly. <laughs> it's prickly. <laughs> she should oh have given gosh. him Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> First they're sour. Then they're sweet. Then they're sweet. Oh, man. Oh. But yeah, so this is a this is a storyline I wasn't expecting. But mm-hmm. I guess, like, it makes sense. Like, for what yeah. I mean it doesn't and I hate it from the grandma perspective but like from the stuff that happens as a result I get it um mm-hmm. so yeah like you know we start off at the beach apartment Donna and Noah are looking at like cute little childhood photos of Donna she's all embarrassed but then we get Dr. Dad arriving and I was like oh cool we're getting Dr. Dad I was so happy I know and then Ugh. immediately he's like my mother is dying yes like it, and that's what we get the credits on. Like, man, yeah. I was just like, no, immediately. I know. I was like, wait, Grandma, who convinced Donna to bang? Yeah, right. <laughs> I love her. Uh, She's such a weird grandma. She's like the coolest grandma. I love her. Um, but yeah, so we get a brief little scene after the credits, like where David's basically sick of living out of a duffel bag and like on the floor of Val's room at the Walsh house. And like Steve suggests Carly's apartment because she wasn't able to break the lease. So everything is still fine and there. And Val's all mad and jealous because she thinks that if David leaves, he will not want to be with her. Like, oh, poor baby has an anxious attachment style and it shows it really shows and i i feel bad that she is so hurt i really do cuz mm-hmm. i understand this so much like even if it is improbable that you would have two people sharing this small space and not get frustrated with each other mm-hmm. like i still get sad about it like there are times you know john and i live in like now a two bedroom apartment but we're in a one bedroom apartment before and i'm sitting here like there's so much space we're perfect we don't need anything and john is like you were everywhere all the time because there's <laughs> not a second space for me to go to yeah it's but i get it like i totally i get, get it. it i totally get and it from both sides like i'm the val in my situation constantly yeah well and and like to be fair like David's got all this history with Donna. And so Mm -hmm. she holds an extra short leash around David, not just because of her own baggage, but because she's like terrified that he is going to slowly like distance himself from her and go back to Donna. So it's like Mm -hmm. so many things here and she is doing whatever she can to hang on to him. And one of those being at the pee pad, 
Noah is trying to find a replacement at the pee pad so that he can be at the hospital with Donna. And so Val is there at the magic right time for basically her to offer to Noah, like, hey, I've done this before. I've run this before. Like, I can do it. Give me my old job back. And Noah, like, actually accepts because he's kind of, like, grasping at straws here. And she's, like, the way he gets her to agree is basically she's, like, I won't ask for a raise. I won't have illegal gambling here. I won't do anything bad. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I love that she starts with, I won't bug you for a raise. And he's just, like, he's, like, that's not good enough. She's, like, okay, fine. I won't do anything illegal. Yeah. But then it's just so he funny. says yes. I, I just love that she says yes and gives her her job back. And she's like, good, because I already booked a band to play tonight. Without him knowing. Like, doesn't mention it at all. But, yeah, that's the thing that Val's trying to do to essentially keep David close, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she went ahead and booked David and Jasper to play. And she invited Q5 records there so that they could potentially get signed by a label which like that's awesome first of all like can you imagine like being that helpful for somebody and like I don't know like that that's so nice of Val like that's so genuinely nice I'm kind of surprised by it (laughs) I know like it's kind of wild to me sometimes how Val is different when she's with someone she truly cares about like she is showing genuine care and there's a little bit of it where she's just like oh yeah they just have to play this song and by the way it just happens to be a song about me but it's gonna be great and it's gonna get them signed to a record label like there is a little bit of that in there but like she's doing this for David I mean at some point Noah says like I hope this guy appreciates what you do for him and she's like don't worry he doesn't heartbreaking (laughs) so heartbreaking like Because then that makes me think, no wonder she feels like everything she does has to be looking out for herself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, no wonder her default is, nobody else has my back, I have to have my own back. Because she is constantly feeling underappreciated or not appreciated at all. And then it's, like, literally, like, a cycle she cannot break. Because Mm -hmm. she does the thing, nobody appreciates it, so then she layers on something about her, like, that will benefit her, and then people get mad that she does things to benefit her. It's just, yeah. it's a never-ending cycle. Well, in, like, she's she's battling forces here. Like, yeah. on the other side of this, you know, Noah gets all of this coverage so that he can go to the hospital to be with Donna. And she's like, oh, I want you to meet my grandma now that you're here. This woman is very important to me. And when they go in to meet grandma, grandma won't stop talking about how Donna and David are meant for each other while Noah is just standing there. Well, and it was at this moment because, like, obviously we learned earlier that she had had a brain aneurysm. And so it was at this moment where I was like, okay, this could just be as simple as, like, memory loss or Mm -hmm. um, losing some sort of uh, grip on reality a little bit because I thought she thought Noah was David. But in reality, she knew David or Noah wasn't David. And she's insisting to Donna that she and David are meant to be, not whoever this boy over here is. (laughs) Yeah. No, that that would have been a much kinder read. But I was just sitting there like, oh, Noah is just sitting here being like, why did I have to come into this room? Mm -hmm. Why was this worth it? Like, but, you know, the other side of this is Val goes to see David at the Beverly Beat to apologize for the fight they had when he said he wanted to move out, which is literally like, 
I think he was very clear of like, I was never actually living here. I was just mm-hmm. crashing here. I need a place to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Val is like, oh, by the way, I got this A&R rep and I want them to hear the song you wrote. And also I want to hear the song you wrote. I want everyone to hear the song you wrote because I have insecure attachment issues and I'm used to fighting for I want what I – I'm used to fighting for what I want but then I'm not used to actually having it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like it just – it goes well up until the point that David says he wants to go see Donna's grandmother because she's sick. Yeah, and like even when she mentions like Q5, he's all excited. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, she talks about the song that he wrote. And then, of course, he's like super vague about that song because he knows it's not about Val, it's about Donna. And then, of course, like that puts Donna in his head and he like rushes to get out of there to go see Donna's grandma. And now, you know, we get back to jealous Val. And jealous Noah because when David gets mm-hmm. to the hospital, Felice kisses him. Like, yeah. I know Felice. Sorry, I know Felice has accepted David. I know this is something <laughs> that I should be used to, but I can't get over it. As soon as she was like David, and she stood up and kissed him, I was like, body snatched, drunk. What? <laughs> It's like she has to so double down on the lesser of two evils, you know? And so she's like, well, better get on board with the David Silver train because anything is better than that uh, What uh, sewer rat Noah. Wharf rat? I'm yeah. sorry. The wharf rat Noah of the hunter oil and chemical hunters. Right. And you the new think- owner of the Falana. <laughs> I hope he kept the name of the boat. He's like, it means something to me. Like, I swear, you would think Felice would come over to Team Noah just simply because he he comes from money. Yeah. And, like, David deflowered her daughter. And that's exactly how she sees it. Like, she (laughs) sees it as, like, her daughter is now ruined. Yeah. Like, Donna's virtue was snatched. Yeah. This is not that, like, Donna made a decision. This is, like, he ruined her. But she's – Exactly. Maybe that's why she's, like, he ruined her. He has to take responsibility for her. So I'm just going to pretend he's still dating her. That's fair. And to be fair, apparently, doesn't she look exactly – or doesn't David look exactly like um, Dr. Dad's dad? So – (laughs) Yeah. There's a familiarity there that she just can't quite – Get out of her head. That just weirds me the fuck out. I'm sorry. (laughs) I hate when they pulled out the locket later. I was like, no, we don't need to bring this back up. Stop it. (laughs) Like, it's weird to date someone who looks just like your paternal grandfather. I know. It's like in Gilmore Girls when Gran, when the reigning Lorelai married uh a Gilmore like she's a Gilmore and married a Gilmore like they're cousins and she married them and so like certain cousins not okay anyway it's weird but yeah so anyway um grandma is really excited to see David when David gets in the room and like we get some more exposition on the fact that they're gonna operate and like all this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff but then the key point is that she ends up telling David to take care of donna and that she met noah and still Mm -hmm. kind of insisting like no it's it's you david like i feel pretty good about this yeah which like this is like a okay grandma Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's the meme where she's like back in my day donna and david were together 
like, okay, <laughs> yeah. grandma, come inside. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I think my favorite part is all of this jealousy is like kind of actually working because the next scene at the pee pad where David is with the band up on stage getting ready to play or, you know, they're in the middle of their set, whatever. Val and Noah are working behind the bar and just watching David and Donna talk across the dance floor. And they can actually kind of bond over their shared jealousy, you know, and it's kind of like, Mm. you know, Val starts asking Noah about all these questions about grandma and, and like what happened when David saw grandma and about true love stuff that was mentioned and things like that. And, you know, of course, when Donna walks up and tells David she's going to stick around, he gets all nervous because he she's going to, you know, David realizes that she's going to hear the song and I guess, no, it's about her. And anyway, like basically, long story short, Valerie meets the record executive named Lola Burns and David doesn't now, now doesn't want to play the song, but they do anyway because they have to. And I just have to say the drummer was so into this song he was like like (laughs) i i listened to a couple bars of it and then when brian austin green started singing i was like okay i see what this is we just want to get brian austin green singing on the episode and then i hit you know times 1.5 speed i was just like (laughs) i don't have time for this and it's not the music i expected like if you're trying to get signed by a record label and you pick this song it was just like all mellow R&B and like I'm sure it was fine. But yeah, to your point, it's like it's not the song I would have picked to, to be as my like impromptu audition. Sorry. Sorry. I'm like so convinced that none of the rest of what Jasper's Law plays sounds anything like this. So like Agreed. why? Why yeah. would you lead with something that doesn't contain your signature sound or anything mm. that like speaks to y'all as a band? Yeah. Yeah, completely and to have That's exactly be, what I was thinking. And to have this be the opener in the set. This is not how yeah. you kick off a set. <laughs> no, you kick off a set like real hard and then like mm-hmm. cool it down later. Exactly, exactly. And like Noah's yeah. all moody and broody around Donna because he's like, oh, this is about you. And Donna's like a little oblivious. I'm like, girl, come on. And mm-hmm. Noah's just like, he doesn't have to try or whatever about winning – her bad whatever yeah anyway I'm, I was bored with it <laughs> I was so bored so I think this is the next day I think this is like post-surgery and everything because Donna tells David the night before at the pee pad that surgery is first thing in the morning and I love that Kelly comes to the hospital to support Donna like that is just me too pure friendship goodness and I love it mm-hmm. and yep you know, I think it's a very interesting conversation they have where Donna says that, like, she's getting upset that Noah doesn't know her grandmother, even though she knows she shouldn't be. She can't mm-hmm. help it because he wasn't there. And then they both kind of agree that David was easy. Brandon was easy. New relationships are hard. And yeah. I, I just think that's, like, a universal truth that, like, I really appreciate they can take a moment to acknowledge of, like, this is hard that I have to move on from this person. And is a proper parallel. Like, that's what got me, yeah. too. Is, like, there was actually some really good parallels, some really good lines, some really good, like, conversations in this storyline that should have been happening in the other line. But in the other storyline, we got something so off the wall, apples and oranges. And 
because yeah like kelly's even said like has an opportunity to say that she feels humiliated by what happened between her and Brandon, but then, and then Donna assures her, like, nobody would blame you or think differently of you if you wanted to go back to him. And mm-hmm. I'm sure Kelly thinks the same of Donna with David, even though he really messed up and broke her trust, you know? And so I agree with you. It was such a really nice way to show that this is a common human emotion when it comes to new versus old relationships, easy versus hard. And it didn't take you out of the storyline either. You know, it was, yeah. it was a fleeting moment, but it was impactful. And then we're able to quickly go back into the actual medical piece of this where, you know, Dr. Dad ends, ends up saying that the surgery was a lot of stress on her body and, and like, you know, we're on the decline. So you need to go say goodbye, which was so sad. I really appreciated that like they gave Donna a scene to say goodbye to her grandma and then like at the end of that scene you can kind of see her grandma's head like tilt over Mm. to her like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was so sad and then she comes out of the room and Felice and Dr. Dad just like surround her I was just like I would burst into tears right now I literally just got chills (laughs) like it's it's exactly it's exactly the right amount of drama for mm-hmm. this show. You know, it wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. It was perfect because they finally – nobody else makes it about themselves. It's simply about the event, and that's what I appreciated. Mm-hmm. So two things that I kind of wanted to point out about all of this whole storyline is that, first of all, Donna's, like – um like denial that her grandmother is that sick and it's literally the end of her life was just like so relatable and made me so sad and ugh, my heart just ow and also like I'll talk as much shit about Felice all the time (laughs) as I want but god when she wants to be she can be so supportive and a good mom and I just love her and Dr. Dad just yeah, snuggling Donna and giving her support because that shit sucks. Totally. And like, yeah. this was Dr. Dad's mom, you know, like, so. Who hated it, Felice, by the way. Right. Yeah. So to see kind of like, that's that's what I meant is like nobody made it about themselves and whatever was going on with them is they just, they recognized in this moment the relationship that Donna had with grandma and like made it about that you know yeah. instead of the Felice drama or the Dr. Dad you know, whatever it was simply about like the Donna was with her in her final moments let's surround Donna because that was hard so after this incredibly emotional scene we have to go to now no longer Carly's house because David is moving into another former guest star's house that got kicked off the show. Yeah. Which is just hilarious to me. But okay. Yeah. I was going to bring this up earlier, but I remember it now that we're back in Carly's house. Is it weird to y'all that Steve has realized he's totally good to move on, but is still pretty much in constant contact with Carly and going to put on a garage sale for her? Like, he was just like, oh, I must not have loved her because I didn't even think about going to Montana for her, but I'll do her garage sale. 
Like, yeah. It was clearly written just to get David into the house, but I was just yes. like, what are these conversations? She calls him. She's taking care of Zach, taking care of her dad. She doesn't have a job. She's still paying rent on an L.A. apartment that she still has a bunch of stuff in and has to deal with. And he's just like, yeah, I'm over you and I'm dating again. I do think it's a little weird, but I don't know. Like there's some people who are very much like once we break up, we break up. We don't talk. Mm -hmm. Even if it was good, even if it was amicable. And there's other people that are like, no, I think you can be friends with exes, like within reason. Um, But the whole point to get back to this is that Val and David are moving David's stuff into Carly's house. And it's like little conversations, just a slice of life moment up until the point that Val says that she's reassured about their relationship because he wrote a song about her and nobody's (laughs) ever done that for her before. At which point David realizes he has to come clean. Which, good on him for actually coming clean. I mean, again, talk about growth. Like, we see it sometimes. hmm And the fact that he was like, I'm going to write you a ton of songs. Because I think he does genuinely feel feelings for her. They're just mm-hmm. not, in like, manifested in that song. And so he, yeah, he ends up saying, like, that one wasn't ri- written about her. And Val gets really upset. Yeah. And that kind of colors her reaction later because she tells David that he shouldn't go to Donna's grandma's funeral. She's like, I'm not going to go. I didn't know this woman. I don't think you should either. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think in a rational mind where that song actually was about her and she felt more confident in their relationship, she would tolerate it. I don't think she'd be Mm -hmm. okay with it. I don't think that's Val. I do think she would tolerate it, but now she's just like, no, I don't want you to go because I'm feeling insecure. And yeah. I like hate that it hurts her to see David supporting Donna. I do too. I mean, you can see her brain working too because then she like – when she tells him he can't go to the funeral and he's like – his reaction is what it is, she goes into logic brain. You know, she's, like, trying to take emotion out of it, even though emotion is all 100% part of it. And she straight up asks him who has the higher value, her or Donna, which she knows the answer. She just wants him to say it, even though she doesn't want him to. It's like she doesn't want to hear it, but she wants him to say it. And David, honestly and truthfully, says, I've loved her longer than I've known you. Which, like, and... Ow, but true. <laughs> that was the th- I was like, I'm not upset because it's not a lie, yeah. but it is a choice, and it would actually kill me. I know. if anyone I knew said that to me, I would not be able to continue the relationship at that point because it's like no. you're just fighting an uphill battle, and if that's always going to be the case. You know, maybe it won't be eventually, right? Like, I've loved her longer than I've known you. Eventually, that like that that would come to like a uh, breaking point, right? But mm-hmm. it may not. It may not. And I just don't. If it were me, I'd be like, okay, then I gotta let you go sort that out because I can't be around to see if that ever changes. Yeah, which honestly is not what happened. 
in this, and mm-hmm. I'm not surprised in any way, shape, or form, but like not by the I'm not surprised by the Val side. I'm a little surprised by the Noah side of things because, you know, we skip over the funeral. We don't see it. It happens off screen. But then, like we said earlier, everybody goes back to the beach apartment. Like Kelly buys a bunch of trays and they have sandwiches and veggies and whatnot. And then at the end of the night, it kind of gets down to the point that it's Donna, David, and Noah. Mm -hmm. And – Noah invites David to stay with Donna and talk about her grandma. Like, he's just like, I get it. You guys actually know grandma, and I don't. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what Donna needs right now. And that is an excellent choice by Noah. It's beautiful. Yeah, not saying It worked out horribly, but – Right, totally. But, like, that is the right decision. And that is something I think Donna will appreciate when she's further away from this, you know? Yeah, because in the moment, uh, it doesn't go well because David tells Donna what her grandma said and that he gives the, he has this locket that she gave him and he gives it to Donna where we see the photo of <laughs> Brian Austin Green and Tori Spelling. Tori Spelling. <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to call her Noah. I don't – like <laughs> – It was gone. Um, we see in the locket, it's Brian Austin Green and Tori Spelling dressed up in olden times, so it's supposed to be grandma and grandpa that look just like Donna and David, and it leads to them kissing, and, like, she shuts it down. I'm glad about it, but, like, they kiss. This is not, like, a peck on the cheek. This is, like, there is, like, tongue involved. Well, there there always is with Tori Spelling, but... But I could easily see, had Donna not stopped it, this would have gone so far. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is, like, she shuts it down and they presumably go their separate ways where David goes back to now his apartment and Val is there waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Like, and he doesn't immediately say, like, I kissed Donna. Like, he has to sit there and accept the prickly cactus and the good news that Jasper's Law got the record deal and that, like, mm-hmm. things are going his way except for Donna. Right, exactly. And for all the honesty that he had shown throughout the episode, like, he's not able to be honest here. And sure, maybe it's not the quote-unquote right time given mm-hmm. what Val was there to say, but he's he's got to tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's also weird that you went back to his apartment because he said they're not turning out the gas till tomorrow and asked to stay with Val that night. So, like, mm-hmm. I guess – well, okay, I guess when she found out about the song, he probably assumed he was just staying at the place without hot water. Fair. Yeah, but on the other side of it, Donna goes to Noah's boat to, like, be with him, thank him for giving her the time with David to reminisce about her grandma – and this time when she gets down on the boat, she's, like, hiding behind a pillar. And I was like, okay, is she going to be like, I'm back here because I have to hide behind something to tell you what I did. Mm-hmm. But no. She's just like, I'm sad. Mm-hmm. And, like, Noah, to his credit, does kind of say, like, t- like she she admits, like, she's been kind of, like, prickly with him. I guess no pun intended there. But, like, <laughs> because – 
you know, she was like a little mad that he didn't know her. And he's like, well, mm-hmm. tell me about her. Like, let's let's change that. And so I appreciate that from Noah. And she just and he's able to just let her be sad. Um, yeah. Which is a good thing. Like Noah had some good learnings this episode, even though he was able to commers- commiserate with Val a little bit. He didn't let the jealousy drive his decisions, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you take out the moment where Noah leaves Dave and Donna together at the beach apartment, I love how this episode ended. Yeah, same. Me too. Like, even with the other story where, like, Kelly's writing a letter to her dad, everything's working Mm -hmm. out with Andrew, Val bought David a cactus, Noah's asking Donna to reminisce about her grandmother, like, Mm -hmm. for all – intents and purposes everything ended out great it was just like the lead up was a little sloppy agree agree man as well do you have anything else you want to call out before we start trying to talk about quotes and things because i will say i think i wrote two quotes i think i did too and it was like not ones that i was like quote of the week contender it's more like why did they say this Yeah, the the ones I wrote down are when Val wants her job back from Noah, and she's like, oh, by the way, I booked Jasper's Law here, and the A&R rep is going to be here. And he's like, without asking me? And she goes, I'm asking you now. Yep. Oh, my God. Is that really all I wrote? <laughs> I wrote exactly two quotes. Yeah, I think that's all I wrote, so I think I'm out. Okay. <laughs> So I have one from the pee pad, and this is just 100% for Jenny's delivery. Or not the pee pad, sorry, the bee beat. Um, <laughs> so, uh, God, what are they talking about? Okay, so Kelly needs a favor from Brandon to talk to Andrew. And um, he's like, I'd rather talk to you. And she's like, Brandon, please. <laughs> but just the way she says, Brandon. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it very much. Anyway, the very next scene. Brandon. <laughs> Val trying to get her job back. I promise from now on I'll be completely honest. And then Noah's right. just like, scale it down a notch to the realm of possible, okay? <laughs> God, I love her. I love her so much. She's the best. And then um, same scene, Noah saying, I hope this guy appreciates what you're doing for him. And Val just says, don't worry, he doesn't. Thanks. Yep. I loved yep. that. I mean, hyper aware. I love Val. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She is very aware. Yeah. So mine, unfortunately, were between go ahead and take off your shirt and I'll be in there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> and I've loved her longer than I've known you. So I think I have to go with I've loved her longer than I've known you. Simply because, you know, lesser of two evils there. And one was more impactful on the overall story. (laughs) I'm like, what a choice. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That elicited much more of an emotional reaction than go and take your shirt off. I'll be in a moment. Yep. 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 All right. What about you, Mary? Do you you have a moment this week? Um, so I'm going to give it to Val getting her job back at the pee pad in that whole scene. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, um, also just pointing out that it's funny to me that, um, 
Noah was like, I need someone to cover because I have to go do this thing with my girlfriend's grandma. And then he's at work that night anyway. I know. I thought the same (laughs) thing. I was like, no, why are you here? And I guess it's because like, oh, she passed. Well, and like, what are you going to do all night? Like she hasn't yet because she was getting surgery. surgery. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like, he's like, I need someone to be here because I sure can't. And then he is there and so is his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, So so Donna, Donna says in that moment, she was like, I wasn't going to miss this. Like, I'll go to the hospital in the morning. So I imagine that conversation where Noah's like, I've got everything covered. I'm all here for you. And she's like, I want to go to the pee pad. Yeah. Well, okay. So crimes and misdemeanors. I had no idea. We all assumed Val was going to do criminal activity. And then it ended up being nowhere near the case. So what is next week's episode? Okay. So before I tell you what next week is, I will say the next three episodes – are some of the highest rated ones of the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. So specifically the one the two after this one are two of the highest rated. Um there's a couple others in the season that are highest rated too, but the yeah, these next three are, are looking pretty good in terms of IMDB ratings. So next week we have season eight, episode 20, Cupid's Arrow. Is Valentine's Day, y'all. There's no speculation yeah. around it. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's just Valentine's Day. I don't even mm-hmm. – we don't need to guess. We'll discuss it next week. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. So until then, you can follow us on Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also send us over an email at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, and share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen. It helps us build a community. And then we can give y'all a better product. And if you give us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go recycle a song I wrote about my old girlfriend and pretend it is about my new girlfriend. I'm a little prickly and I like to protect myself. And I'd rather talk to you. Bye. Bye. See ya.